0: the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithies Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. G'day, g'day, this is Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid and you're listening to the All Australian Music Stories. This episode is on one of Australia's most successful singer-songwriters, Ted Mowry. I've broken the episode into two parts. The first part concentrates on Ted's solo career in the early 1970s, working with Harry Vander and George Young at the famed Albert Studios. The second episode takes a look at one of Australia's biggest bands of their time, the Ted Mowry Gang, or TMG as they became known. I was lucky enough to sit down with Ted's younger brother Steve and have a chat about Ted and his music. Sadly, Ted passed away in 2001, a day before his 54th birthday. However, his music lives on and what an amazingly diverse and talented artist Ted was. I hope you enjoy listening to the career of Ted Murray.
1: Jump in my car I wanna take you home mm, jump in my car It's too far to walk on your own No, thank you, sir Ah, come on, I'm a trustworthy guy No, thank you, sir Oh, little girl, I wouldn't tell you no lie you came. How can you say that we only just met? On the sea. Ooh, she's got me there to try and you'll arrive home nice and dry. Mm -hmm, Jump in my car. I want to take you home. Come on, jump in my car. It's too far to walk on
0: Today, I'm talking with Steve Mulray, brother of Ted and lead singer of the TMG. G'day, Steve. How you going, mate?
2: Good, Sheldon. How are you? Good to be here.
0: Thank you. Uh, Ted was born in England in 1947. Where were you born?
2: Same place, actually. Uh, we're both born in Oldham, which is, you know, about Twelve kilometres outside of Manchester. Um, so he was born, yeah, as you said, in nineteen forty-seven, and I was born in nineteen sixty. Um, but our actual birth dates are only five days apart. He was the second of September, and I'm the twenty-eighth of August.
0: So, what made your parents decide to head south to Australia?
2: Well, Dad wanted to come here. I think it was in nineteen sixty-five. He just he, he wanted to emigrate to Australia, but my mum's. Mum was still alive in England at the time, so mum didn't want to leave England at that time. Funnily enough, though, Ted, the following year, 1966, came out to Australia on his own. Well, when I say on his own, he was the only family member who came out. He came out with a, a friend of his and his family. They were coming out, and he said, can I go too? You know, mum said, oh, yeah, all right. So he came out. He, he, he was 18. He would have been 19 later that, that year. and came out, and he was here two years before we came. Uh, my grandmother died in 1967, so then plans were made to come out here, in, um, and it was 1968.
0: So a fair trip for a young bloke packing up and heading to Australia from England.
2: I think about it now. I mean, at, when I was 18, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done it. I, 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 but he and I are very different in that that way. That we're very similar in a lot of things, but different in other things. And and. Uh, he had that more of an adventurous spirit, I think, and uh, uh, yeah, it was quite a quite a trip, particularly in those days. Nineteen sixty eight compared to now, say.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, now it would be hard, but yeah, back in those days, it was. It was, it was a world yeah. away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What age was Ted when he started showing some interest in music?
2: Ted actually, st- <laughs> this is interesting. He 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 started playing at the age of four. What happened was, I think there was a a, a mandolin, or I think it was a mandolin. Uh, in the house which had only three strings on it. And mum said, you know, he, he played it and he, he wanted a guitar. He said, oh, yeah, I want it. And she said, if you can learn how to play something on that, I'll buy you a guitar. So, of course, he did, didn't he? So he started practising at the age of four. And on, on, nobody in the, in, the, in the house played guitars. Dad was a, could play trumpet, but not a guitar player. So he taught himself how to play something on this three-stringed thing.
0: So he was so, a natural.
2: Yeah, ab- Absolutely. And and, and uh, mum ended up getting him a guitar. Saved everything they could to buy one. He, he went from there. Um, so I guess from that from that age, he was really interested in um, in music and in, in, in performing.
0: So once he was in Australia, Ted was working as a bulldozer driver on a construction crew, road construction crew. Was he riding in his spare time, or did he have any ambition to be a singer?
2: Okay, there's a few questions in one there. Um, yes. Th- the media always said it was, he was a bulldozer driver, whereas he was actually a roller driver. Okay, right? Yeah. So, um, so he, he rolled a lot of the Hume Highway as it is now. And uh, even before that, he worked on the railways. So he worked the railways and then went to what was, what was then called the DMR, Department of Main Roads, and um, became a roller driver. And um, yes, he wrote a lot of the songs whilst he was working. So like sometimes you'd roll a bit of road and stop and let them do some other bits. So while they were doing the other bits, he'd writing. By late 1969, that is when he sent his songs into Albert's and he already had 100 songs in.
0: And Julia was one of those? Um,
2: mostly, yes, it would have been because it was early 1970 when Julia came out. So Julia would have been one of those songs.
0: So he sent the, uh, the demo to Albert's mm. but he was signed with EMI. What was, what was that about? Was Albert's not pressing albums at that stage? Well, or? Albert's
2: sort of is a label – but I think the record company that releases albums was EMI okay. or release, release yep. songs. So um, I think that's how it worked. So Alberts was a, like a label, but the record company was EMI. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a bit hard to- yep. the, 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 the,
0: More a distribution, distribution type thing. That's yep. right. Yep.
2: Um, and interestingly enough, Ted Albert and my brother, of course, my brother's real name isn't Ted, but it's actually Martin. Okay. And he became- known as Ted in England because he was a teddy boy. I don't know if you know what a teddy boy is, with the tight black stovepipe pants and the quiffed hair and and all that kind of thing. So he was the only teddy boy in the town we lived in. Right. um, Or the guy who dressed like that. So everybody just called him Teddy. So he became Ted over a period of time. Yep. And um, funnily enough, his middle name is Albert. So he was Ted Albert meeting Ted Albert. Yeah. And so they hit it off really well together and um, Ted Albert from Albert's really liked Ted's songs because um, he really appreciated the, the writing style. Um, your other question in that one was, um, did he aspire or want to be a singer? No, he didn't. He didn't want to be a singer. He wanted to be a songwriter only. And um, when he sent his demos in, Albert's contacted him back and said, you know, yep, we're interested, blah, blah, blah. We'd like you to, to sing these songs. He went, oh, no, no, no. I, I just want I want to write You know, for other people. And they said, no, you sing too good. So you yeah. So they coaxed him into being a singer.
0: So he wasn't gigging around the place? He wasn't playing in cafes or no, anything like that? Yep. No, no. Um,
2: and I think he was, although he didn't seem it later in life, he was very, very shy. In fact, so was I. But after performing for a while, you sort of come out of that shell. Yeah. Um, but he was very shy and I think didn't want to perform in front of people, um, which is my thing as well. Um, but uh, obviously, I, I, over a short period of time, he overcame uh,
0: that. So do you think he took much convincing or he, he it was in there that he wanted to wanted I, to do it or?
2: That's a good question. I, I I I don't know. I mean I do know that I mean he knew he could play guitar. He'd been playing a long time by that stage, but was able, you yeah. know, he was he was capable. Um maybe he didn't know how good a vocal he had, how yeah. good a singer he was. Um so it may have co- taken a little bit of coaxing for them to, you know, maybe they recorded him and then let him listen to it and go, see what we mean. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. But uh, I think, he's, I mean, again, anything I say is probably quite biased, but I think he's a great vocalist. He's got a great tone in his voice and great feeling in his voice. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, they've made the right decision to get him to sing.
0: Well, I think so. And, you know, you, you're obviously going to be biased, but then if you look at the, uh, the fans that Ted's had over his career and the, the record sales and the adulation, you're not on your own there.
2: No, no. Well, then I mean, that's good to know, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned before the first single is Julia. February 1970, this comes out, and the Sydney radio stations put the song on high rotation and it reaches the top 10 in Sydney. Not much support in other states, so it only reaches 38 nationally. Who is Julia, or just a made-up person?
2: Okay, I think Julia is a real person, and and I never followed this up, but one night I had a, um, a show of my own in, um, I think it was at Lumiere in Cameltown. This is probably 10 years ago. And um, someone gave me a letter and said, read that after the show. So I put it in my bag and I forgot about it. And it was several weeks later, I'm going through my gig bag, you know, looking at have I got everything in there for the next show. Oh, oh. I opened the letter and read it and it was from a girl, woman, I should say by now, called Julia. Okay. And she gave me, a, there's a bit of a story about, you know, who she was and blah, blah, blah. And here's my number if you want to contact me. And funnily enough, I never followed that up. I mean, you would think, you know, I'd be interested in finding something out. But, you know, you worry sometimes about real fans. What I mean by that is fanatical fans who you don't know where their mind is at, who they really say they are. And I was a bit concerned that it may not have been the person she said she was. So um, I never followed it up. So I believe, though, she may have been. The Julia, the song was about. So um, I don't know if I – I've got to try and find that letter again.
0: (laughs) Well, it was a great start anyway, and he got a good song out of it. (laughs) That's right. So, yeah, you mentioned before that Ted was was shy and he needed a bit of coaxing – so I'm sure once he was he was in the studio and he's he's part of this rock and roll music machine or pop music machine, he, he would have come out of his shell, not by choice maybe, by being forced in a sense.
2: Yeah, it is being forced. And um, having gone through it myself, it's one of those things where you do it, you get yourself in a situation where you then feel obligated and um, you, th- you think, should I be doing this, should I, because I usually get really ill before a gig, you know. I don't want to. I don't know why I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? But you felt obligated because the show was put on, and and I was in a band, so it was you would let the band down, and 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 you just did it. You know, you had to go and do it, and and so I think he would have been the same in a way, felt obligated since he'd signed the dotted line. You know, but really, it doesn't take that long when you do it often enough for that to turn around, and then you you're looking forward to going going doing it. You know, uh, it's funny how we. It's like a fear that. As I say, you know, fear isn't, is nothing really, you know, um, it's all in your mind. And, yeah. and most of it is, it's quite true. Uh, you, you envisage something going wrong because you think maybe I'm not going to be as good as I should be. And that's, that's the thing that's in the back of your mind. Um, and uh, then after a while you start realizing, yes, I can do this. You know, I, I'm able to do this and then you get better and better and you start realizing you can do more. And, and that's how it, it seems to be like a snowball effect. You just get better. And because you're getting better, you know you're getting better. Then you, you feel more confident. And because you're more confident, you get better. Yeah. And then, you know, and it, it just reciprocates. It goes around and around. And then you can feel it from a crowd when you're performing well. they're, they're either yelling and screaming and, or clapping. And, you know, it's just um, it, it then becomes almost like a drug because it's such a good feeling, particularly when people are singing songs that you've written back to you.
0: So when did you know that your brother's becoming a pop star? <laughs>
2: it would have been, um, well, it would have been halfway through 1970, 71, because um, while I was at school, there was kids coming up to me who were finding out, and I don't know, I don't, I don't remember that far back how that, how that was happening. Um, but, I mean, I was nine, ten, you know, around that age, and so they were asking me for autographs for, from him, you know. So I'd come home, and he, cause he still lived with us at home at the time, and um, I'd say, oh, kids are asking for photographs. So he'd have the promo, the promo department had all these photographs of him. It's a black and white shot, you know. And so he'd sign on that, that photo you, and yeah. give them to me. And I'd be taking them home for days and days, maybe weeks, you know. Kids were saying, oh, can he get me? So it was around about that time I realised there's something going on, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was some years later when I was about sixteen. I mean, i I didn't even start in bands myself until I was twenty two. And okay. start singing myself. So I w- I was just going to a disco and stuff, you know, and. People come up to me and usually girls come up to me and go, oh, can you sign my arm? Why me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. I hadn't even sang a song, you know, but it was me signing. So I knew it was even bigger then, you know, because uh, Jump My Car was already out by that time and, and Dark Town Strider Ball was coming out. So they were quite well-known. He was quite well-known and so was the band.
0: Well, at one stage he was the biggest act in Australia.
2: Yes, yeah. Uh In fact, I think when, when if as you probably are aware, Sherbet and TMG did Around Australia in 80 Days. Yep. Um, On the Queensland leg, I believe it was the Queensland leg of the shows, TMG were the main act because they were bigger in Queensland than they were in New South Wales. Okay. And on the New South Wales leg, Sherbet was the main act with TMG supporting. I think there was another band supporting them. It was Rabbit. I think Rabbit was on that tour.
0: Dave Evans. Yeah, that's
2: right. So it was Rabbit, TMG, Sherbet. And then I think in Queensland it was Rabbit, Sherbet, TMG. Okay.
0: And that puts it in good context because – the, the size of Sherbet's fan base that, is incredible. That's right. Yeah, that's
2: right. And, of course, Sherbet's first hit, well, not number one, but their first hit that got them recognised on radio, Ted wrote.
0: Yeah, You're All Woman. You're All Woman, yep. and
2: we do that now.
0: Here's Sherbet's take on You're All Woman. Uh, managed or the band was managed also by Roger Davies, yes, and same with Sherbert. So they, they shared the manager,
2: yeah, um, same stable, yeah,
0: yeah. So do you think that's how Sherbert got hold of the song? Is Roger- quite
2: possibly, yep. quite possibly. And of course, they, were, they, they they all knew each other as well, they were friends. So I don't know whether it was Sherbert heard the song or whether Roger, but it could very well have been Roger, yeah, good point, yeah.
0: But a great manager to have,
2: great manager to have. And look where he is now, like the, the last. 20 years he's been looking after the biggest acts in the US
0: yep people like Joe Cocker um, Sher, Tina sure Tina Turner Yeah, that's uh, right I think he's managing Pink now or, or oh really Pink's Pink manager. as well yeah. he
2: knows how to get yeah. him doesn't he Yeah,
0: exactly exactly the next single release at the end of 1970 is a song written by Vander and Young falling in love again
1: about, it's knowing looks, it's sung in songs, and read in books, it's everywhere, around the world, it happens every day. It's one
0: This song makes number 11 on the charts, and Albert even gets a song released in America. Do you know if there was much interest in America for Ted, or did he ever tour there?
2: No, he, um, I, he never toured then. I don't know exactly how um, well that song went um, in the States, but he never toured there. Um, he did go there years later, in, in, uh, in the late 80s, to do some fishing around, because he was still writing songs, and I think he was trying to see if he could get some of his songs to other artists yep. to, to sing in the States. But as far as um, Falling in Love Again, I don't think it went exceptionally well. I think it's a great song. I think it's a well-written song. I think, um, yeah, of course, Vander Young write yep. great songs, you know. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, Barry Crocker did a cover of it as well. Okay, and yeah. and, uh, and, of course, John paul Young does it now as well in his show that he does for the Vander and Young songbook. Yeah, it was um, a great song. And, and, and you know, not that Ted didn't have another bunch of good songs already written, but I think uh, at the time with Alberts, with uh, Vander and Young being the... Um, The Engine Room, in regards to producing and getting songs out, I think they wanted Ted to do one of their songs.
0: And if someone hands you a song as good as that, you're going to record it? I think you you should. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: The third single is Marsha. While Ted was in love with Julia, Marsha sounds like a pain in the ass.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, um, that happens in life, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, <laughs> there was another song called Louisa as well. There's a lot of girls', girls names involved. Uh, some would jump in the car and some wouldn't. But, um, yeah, Marsha. Okay, now I don't even know who Marsha is either. Um, I'm going to have to start, you, you know, you, you're starting to spark something inside me. I'm going to have to find out who these um, women are. Um, but, so did um, Ted
0: have a partner at this time?
2: He probably had more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he probably had a girl called Julia and one called Marsha.
0: A girl in every port. <laughs>
2: yes. But um yeah he was um he was the um, um, the bachelor, so we say he was the um the uh, um, forever bachelor um who nearly got married once in, in and in before he became Ted Mulry, if okay. you want to put yep. it that way before he became uh, a singer that didn't go ahead but and um it didn't look like that way ever since, you know so yeah, there would have been multiples here and there.
1: You have your reasons for all that you do. But now you should know what I've been through. And I have my reasons for loving you. But one little smile would make it worthwhile. it was wild oh 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 my
0: Ted signs with Island Records in the UK and heads back to the old Dart. Island Records decide to change his name and now Ted is known as Steve Ryder. What's the story here?
2: Okay, they didn't think Ted Mulry was a good <laughs> name for a singer. And they said, um, well, they actually said to him, you know, what we're going to do. And he said, well, I can use my brother's name, Steve. And he said, and I ride motorcycles. And funny enough, we both ride motorcycles. And um, he said, so why not ride her, you know, and and. They went, Steve Ryder. That sounds all right, (laughs) and that's how I think the name basically came about. Um, They agreed on that. You know, it was an agreement in regards to. I think the song was called "Ain't It Nice." Yep. Um, And uh, which was released out here under the name of Ted Mulry, anyway. But and funnily enough, in the last eighteen months, about eighteen months ago, TMG were doing a show on the Central Coast, and one of our roadies came to the dressing room door and said, "Um, "There's a guy at the front here wants to meet you guys. He's called Steve Ryder." (laughs) So I actually met another Steve Ryder at the show, um, quite interesting. He, he actually knew that himself. He actually had the single from England, Steve Ryder single. Um, well, yeah.
0: as you said, Ain't It Nice, it's a beautiful song, but it doesn't chart in the UK mm. or, or Australia. So is that the reason he didn't stay in the UK? Yep,
2: that yep. would have been the reason why. I think it was around about 1971, could have been 71.
0: Yeah, yep, yep. Or well, was that the end of 70, so he came back at the start of 71, yep. Yeah.
2: That's right. So, uh, yeah, that would have been the reason. I mean, yes, that, that was where we all came from, but I think his home now was in Australia. And so, if it wasn't going to work there, you know, come back. There's probably a limited time you can hit it, you know, and yep. see if, if you can do it. And um, then he came back, yeah.
0: And I suppose the, a couple of summers in Australia heading back to England, it's like, well, yeah. oh, dear.
2: Yeah, why would you go back?
1: That summer cunning eyes here in the fall But these little things never mean a thing When you're not around to call Ain't it nice
0: Back in Australia, Ted releases his next single, and he's back on the charts with "Memories," reaching number thirty. Do you know who's playing the flamenco-style guitar? On Actually, that?
2: I don't. But what a great song! Oh, it is. I it's, love yeah. "Memories." That is a really good song. Um, I'd forgotten about it until you just mentioned it. Oh, well, I still remember. That was it, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, who played guitar on that? Wow! All these things I've got to find out now. <laughs>
1: Time I spent with you your funny laugh, your smiling face those cold days in September, but now that winter's over I sit About the love we knew and all the things that we would do. That little cafe home from home where lovers go to be alone. Yet, what are these things now to me? But, man.
0: So with TMG, <laughs> just jumping jumping forward yeah. forty years. So yep. now with TMG, how do you guys decide the set list? Do you do any Ted Solo stuff?
2: Oh yeah, um, we actually do the two first singles, uh, and it's actually Gary Dixon from TMG who sings those songs. I, we all get off stage, yep, and um, get, we leave Gary on stage with an acoustic guitar, and he sings "Julia" and "Falling in Love Again," and. The great thing is the crowd sings with him. It's really, really touching. It's really good, you know. Uh, and we have the big screens behind with Ted on the screens and all this kind of thing. And, uh, so, yeah, Gary sings them and does a fantastic job. Gary's a really good ballad singer, you know, um, and does the songs justice. So, yeah, we do those songs, yeah, in the middle. It's like a it's like a, a bit of a, a rest for the rest of us.
0: Well, that's it. And I suppose the rest for the and crowd too because, the you know,
2: yeah, because we're hitting them. It's high with, energy. With, it is high yeah. energy, uh, and and even though TMG in their in their songs on the on the radio sound pop, we're not pop on stage. Yeah, we're, we're rock on stage.
0: But and again, too, you listen to the guitars and the crunching guitar behind. It's it was pop music, but not pop music in a One Direction type sort of thing That's or right. anything yes, like it wasn't that. Like you would
2: call pop music yeah. these days, it was a softer rock. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, um, which we call pop, uh, but these days you would call it like maybe a soft rock. Um, and uh, uh, so, now it's not really soft at all on stage. It's not soft. Yep. Everybody who goes away going, wow, that really rocked, you know. Yeah. And it does.
0: In a sense, I would put TMG in that same stable as, as your Akadaki, your Angels, your, your Summary Billy Thorpe and, and, and those sort of oh, bands. Oh, uh, yeah, that, for sure. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, where a lot of these bands weren't sort of crossing over and appealing to females, TMG was.
2: That's right. So the, oh, yes, the, boy, you're right. the
0: boyfriends could go and and love and, the the and music, yeah. yeah. And then on the other side, the the girls are lis- listening to these soulful lyrics and yeah, and it's it's meaning something. Yep. So
2: and the guy in all the guys in satin pants. I mean, why yep. wouldn't the girls be interested?
0: <laughs> exactly, the flares, the the high hair, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, you know, and high, so, heels.
0: high heels. High <laughs> heels, they had the fashion going. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, you just mentioned ACDC uh, when. Um, I don't know if you had any of these questions, but prior to AC, prior to TMG, the band that used to back Ted as a solo artist, he used to get different musicians in all the time. And um, a couple of guys from a band called The Velvet Underground, of course, there's a Velvet Underground in America yep. as well, it was R- Lou Reed's Well, they changed band.
0: their name to Pony at one stage, right. just to differentiate, but and it was... You, you, yeah, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree calling that, yourself the Velvet Underground. That's right. But I, from what I've heard is they, they didn't realise that there was a band named that yeah. and they'd named themselves after a, a book or a novel that had been put out. Yeah. So Yeah, that's right. It gives themselves a, uh, you know, when people talk about the Australian Velvet Underground, it's, it still gives them that notoriety. That's
2: right, it still does. And, and they saw Ted at a couple of gigs and they decided, they went to him and said, look, from now on, will be a backing band. So you've got the same musicians all the time. So it was really Velvet Underground it his backing band. And of course Velvet Underground had Dave Evans in it and um, Malcolm Young. When TMG was being formed, Malcolm at that time was looking at starting a new band. I couldn't imagine what that band would become. <laughs>
0: no.
2: So Herm, the drummer, and Les, the guitarist, went with Ted. There was a bass player too, Steve. Um, I think his name was Steve Hart at the time. Uh, he was a bass player. And... They became TMG. After a while, Steve, for whatever reason, was no longer required and Ted became the bass player and they were a three-piece.
0: Yep. Well, apparently he stormed off the stage yeah, or something. Yeah, there is was,
2: that, that, <laughs> was something. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to be nice about all <laughs> this, okay? Um, but regardless, they became a three-piece. Yeah. And um, then TMG got Gary Dixon in. He was a lead guitarist in a band called um, Fat Harry. I think it was Fat Harry. Um, uh, came into the band and... Um, that's when Malcolm then got ACDC going with, of course, Dave Evans was the singer uh, at the time and um, started supporting TMG. TMG was the main act and ACDC was the support act. Of course, that changed, didn't it, after yep. a while? Yep. But um, – uh, and, and that's how, how ACDC started as well. And, um, yeah, so they're all really good mates, all of them, you know.
0: You hear it in the music how it was a very small industry and they're it's all interchangeable. Borrowing from each other. Exactly. Basically, and yeah. – and these are bands that have gone on to have worldwide success. Yep. You know. So, what was happening in the in the breeding grounds of Australian music
2: oh, it was ready to to erupt, wasn't it? Like yep. it, as you can see, look, the Angels did well overseas as well. Rose Tattoo have done great in Europe. You know, all those bands have done well outside of Australia. TMG not so much. Ted's songs have, however, I mean, they've been released by other artists overseas. Um, Chris Spedding who was the guitarist for Brian Ferry
0: with Roxy Music. Yep. yep.
2: So he released Jump in My Car. That was a big hit in England with Chris Spedding doing it. And that cuz it was actually a Susie Quattro who took the single to England and said to Chris, "Listen to this." Okay, yeah. And Chris released it. Yep. And then of course years later David Hasselhoff released Jump in My Car. And of course he got bagged for it out here. And and the reason for that is because it was such an iconic song in Australia. It was a real iconic song Jump in My Car. But over in Germany and England, like he went number three on the charts in, in England with it, and number one in Germany. So it's still, it's years later, the song still had saleability, you know, it was still, you know, uh, and still now it's-
0: And he recorded that in Australia too, he? came he? to Australia to yeah.
2: record yeah. it on the sa- in the same studio, deliberately in the same studio, same desk, Like you know, that's, uh, to me that was a, sh- a show of respect over the whole thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, he did his film clip in Australia, so even when you look at the film clip and you see the kit car, you know, when he used to be Night Rider, there's a, there's a Trans Am, Pontiac Trans Am black one. It's a right-hand drive one, not a okay, left-hand yep, drive. Yep, you know, yep. things like this, and and um, he made fun of himself in the film clip, and that's what I – other I people don't like Hasselhoff, but I really like him. He did things in that film clip laughing at himself.
0: So towards the end of 72, Ted releases his next single, and it's I Won't Look Back, and, and also an album of the same name. This is the first sign that Ted's morphing from a pop balladeer into a heavier rock sound. What do you think brought this change of styles?
2: Look, I think Ted was always, always leaned to that. Yes, he wrote ballads, but he always leaned to, because he was a a fan of, you know, British blues bands, you know, big fans of of, of Free Bag Company, you know, so he was... Those heavier, That was the the way he was. And, of course, the the players that are on um, I Won't Look Back, Phil from Chain, you know, Phil... Um,
0: oh, Phil Manning?
2: Phil Manning yep. from Chain. I think I think Billy Green is another player on the, on the album. Really, that band that played that album, like they were session music, you could call them that, but that band was one hell of a band. That well, you did that can album.
0: hear it, can't you? They're just, they're humming away. They're, and, that is a great yeah.
2: album, great songs. I mean, I really like, I Won't Look Back, that's a really good song. The band was really cooking, really good musicians, you know. Not that TMG aren't, but I'm just saying...
0: it well, was an Those indication guys. of what was to come, wasn't it, really? Yeah,
2: that's right. That second album was the bridge to say, now it's going to be rock, TMG, you know?
0: And that was a ballsy move, too, because your fan base is built on ballads and, and the softer side of things, and now Ted's rocking it up. It's
2: Well, the record company didn't like it either. Okay, yeah. You know, so um, that was putting a few noses out of joint, which was never foreign to Ted anyway. Yeah. Um, but again, he wanted to do what he wanted to do.
0: And in the end, it's his music too. So yeah. he's the one that's got to get out and, yeah. and portray it, and he's got to be—he's got to be 100% in his music because people can smell. Well, they fake. can
2: smell it when it's when when you're not. It's not yours. I mean, the thing is, even if you, when you do a cover song of somebody else's, if that song really means something to you, you know that in the song when you can say, "Yeah, that person believes what they're singing about," or even though they didn't write it, maybe, but yep. they believe that what's in that song. Uh, but even more so when you write it yourself, you have got to be true to yourself. And, and do those things. I do a lot of stuff that I've never, I haven't never. I have written. I've written a lot of stuff as well. Yeah. But you want to do those songs that mean the most to you, whether you wrote them or not, and uh, it always comes out. You know, you can always tell when someone means what they're playing.
0: Thanks for listening. Part 2 concentrates on the second phase of Ted's career, the Ted Mulry gang. If you enjoyed the episode, please click subscribe, and if you could leave a review or rating at iTunes, that would be unreal. If you have any guest requests or suggestions, you can email me at mycoast2 at bigpond.com. That's M-Y-C-O-A-S-T, the number 2, at bigpond.com. Or like our Facebook page at All Australian Music Stories. I'd like to thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next time, hail, hail, Australian rock and roll.
3: Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Mycos Promotions. Written, produced and presented by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! Hey, my friends, I've got something to tell you a place that i've been to and now now i know